This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. That's right. Some reckless speculation returns with a bonus scoop with our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News fame, of course, and also Scoop Podcast fame right here on Score North. And he joins Mackie and Judd on Thursdays. He joins me on Tuesdays. And we uh, go through the various scuttlebutt in the Minnesota sports scene. Uh, Darren, I'll start you here. Seven and one Vikings. Uh, what can you tell me about what's going on at uh, TCO? And I, I think that uh, Kwesi Dofamansa deserves some real applause for the TJ Hawkinson trade. Nine catches on Sunday, stepped right in and played great. The type of move that we uh, have not often at the deadline seen the Vikings make, at least effectively, if you go back to the Randy Moss deal that they made in uh, October of 2010. Well, good morning, Judd. Good morning, Declan. In terms of bringing in talent, Judd, do we need to go all the way back to 1989 Herschel Walker? Now, I get it. The first reaction is the Vikings gave up too much, but the Vikings were not a train wreck with Herschel Walker. So in terms Correct. of bringing in talent at the deadline, am I forgetting any move? They certainly have sent guys out. You mentioned Randy Moss, but like in terms of bringing a guy in, do we have to go all the way back? Does anybody else come to mind between 1989 and 2022? Well, originally when they acquired Moss from the Patriots, which was in season, and that's when the deadline was earlier, keep in mind. So that was an attempt to bring in talent. It failed miserably. So, but yeah, I I mean, the Herschel Walker move, as bad as it turned out, is probably the biggest splash move maybe easily made in the history of the league at the deadline time. So yeah, this one, this one though to me was very like a, a savvy baseball move, right? Like just this really, they they identified an area where injuries and just you know to be upfront about it, weaknesses existed. Made a trade that made a ton of sense and it paid immediate dividends. So the Vikings deserve a lot of credit for being proactive, and I think also Dugues acknowledging that this team is probably more successful and better than even they expected. And I think they thought it would be very competitive. And the NFC is more wide open than almost ever before. Like, it is by far the weaker of the two conferences. It is sitting there for the taking, and I'm fully acknowledging Philadelphia is really, really good. Mm -hmm. This may be setting up for a Vikings at Philadelphia NFC Championship game rematch Mm -hmm. in late January. 
but why not roll the dice? It was always trending in this direction, Judd. Like, we had both heard the steam of the Vikings pursuing another pass-catching option. I texted you. Heck, you can hold up your cell phone if you want. I texted nope. you on Monday, Not gonna 24 that. hours before the deadline. What did I tell you then, Judd? I said, tight end. my money is on a tight end. He did. I did not specifically know it was going to be TJ Hawkinson. It wasn't like it was Hawkinson or bust. I mean, they had conversations with a number of teams. But I will give Quasi Adolfo Mensa all sorts of credit for being very creative. Like, I was convinced, I said this the last time I was on with you, not last week, just because the flu bug bit me, and I'm still battling some sinus congestion. So, unfortunately, we did not go back and forth last week. But going back two weeks ago, I told you my sense was, Quasey was not interested in giving up a day two pick. Mm-hmm. Well, he gave up in the end a day two pick, but he needed to get back something in addition to the asset, the immediate asset in Hawkinson. So I will give him all sorts of credit for finding a way to get creative to receive some draft compensation back in addition to Hawkinson. But yeah, I mean, nine targets, nine catches, you know, he worked his butt off. Give David Blau some credit, the former Lions quarterback, the Vikings practice squad quarterback. He spent some good time with Hawkinson. But, yeah, I mean, it was a whirlwind. I mean, he gets into town, physical on Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. He stayed late Wednesday, stayed late Thursday, stayed late Friday. He is ready to rock and roll. I'll be curious. I'm catching up with Shane Zilstra later today, Lions tight end, who now benefits greatly from the Hawkinson trade. I will certainly pick his brain on TJ. But just going back and forth a little bit via text messaging, like I get the sense that, TJ was beloved there in Detroit. Like, he was a very popular teammate. I think that will immediately translate here in Minnesota. I still don't know exactly why the Lions traded him, unless they absolutely positively weren't going to sign him to an extension beyond the the fifth-year option, which, by the way, they had picked up. But, you know, from all accounts, this guy is a very viable player. He is a good player. So I'm a little bit surprised in division, but also just flat out that a team that is definitely trying to build traded him. And look, I mean, the draft picks back are are fine. And I saw the Detroit GM was quoted as saying, I would have made the trade if we were six and one, which I find to be very odd. But anyway, come on, no way. How how crazy, how crazy extracted Hawkinson from Detroit really surprised me. Like the Lions are dumb. I get that. But that one. I still don't exactly know what the incentive to trade was, especially since you strengthened the Vikings. Therefore, hopefully for the Vikings' sake, dropping that second-round pick. Well, yeah, I mean, that second-round pick, it's not like we're talking pick 40. I mean, we're talking late second round, very, very late second round. Yep. Right? So, like, I don't understand their line of thinking. Then you think about 2023 if the idea is okay – We're really not that far away, even though Detroit's been saying that for a number of years. But, hey, we can be pretty darn competitive in 2023. Why would you strengthen a division rival next year? It's a very reasonable number next year, less than $10 million. I also imagine at some point, you know, more so in March, you know, the offseason. But the Vikings are going to have dialogue with Neil Cornrich. Like, my understanding is this is a long-term sort of move. Mm-hmm. The Vikings haven't had a tight end like this in a while. Maybe early Kyle Rudolph, but certainly Irv Smith Jr. can't do what TJ Hawkinson can do. So it's been a while. 
So the idea is the Vikings would like to keep Hawkinson beyond 2023. So just an excellent, excellent move. My sense, Judd, is the Vikings were never close on anything else. They did talk to Pittsburgh about Claypool. They did talk to Denver about their receiving options, the tight end there. Houston. They did have conversations with Houston, certainly about Brandon Cooks. Those are all things we discussed going back pre-deadline, going back two weeks. But I just don't sense the Vikings were ever close on anything else. So news broke, I think it was on Saturday or early Sunday, uh, that Brian O'Neill's contract indeed has been restructured, which was not hard to do, but it clearly leads us to the speculative question, the reckless speculation question. What does this mean for the 2022 Vikings? Have you heard scuttlebutt, or can you uh, put on your your, uh, reckless speculation cap and give us your thoughts, Dukes, about what you think freeing up some cap space does as far as a next potential move, if it can be made? Well, it's not even a think. A couple people have told me this, Judd. Now, I will say on O'Neill, I don't know if the Vikings had to seek out his permission, his representative's permission to do what they did, but they did for whatever that's, that's worth. And that's smart. The Vikings just didn't do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe teams have the ability, if they just want to do something like that, they can, but they did seek out permission to do that. So that just tells you the Vikings maintaining a good relationship with the O'Neill camp. Yep. I was told by a couple of people, Judd, this is just about having flexibility the rest of the year. You know, when you want to elevate guys from the practice squad, just to have enough flexibility. Like they're just, there is an Odell Beckham Jr. steam. Like I'm sure Judd, in fact, I'm very sure his name has come up internally. Mm-hmm. I just don't have like this great feeling that, that it's gone beyond that. Right. And even Odell was on a podcast earlier this week, mentioned a few teams, did not mention the Vikings. Like they're just there isn't really anything connecting the dots, Odell Beckham Jr. and the Vikings. Now, can you make a case that he could help? Absolutely. Like, I don't think Adam Thielen is one hundred percent. No. I really don't. He no. won't admit that on the record. But like think about that third and thirteen. That play where the Vikings ended up getting the field goal to cut the game's score to 17-10 yep. on Sunday. But like Adam Thielen, from even maybe a year ago, maybe certainly more so two or three years ago, like he breaks free there. I think he scores. He got taken down from behind. He can't turn up field, and Dukes. I understand, okay, 32 years old, like Father Time is inevitably going to win. But I also think he's a little dinged up. Like he, I don't even think he's 90% or 85%. No, he's not. You can make the case that Odell Beckham Jr., this is presuming the knee is okay, right? But that Odell could really help this team. Mm -hmm. But I'm just telling you, like, I just, I still struggle to see Odell Beckham Jr. landing here in Minnesota. And back to your point on the O'Neill contract, Dukes, I, I think it's interesting, too, that they, they, restructured a contract of a guy who is going to be here long-term and the contract that clearly didn't touch was Kendrick's contract, which I think allows them to alter it without asking. And it's a simple one and they didn't. So like that speaks volumes to the possibility of, of what this team is planning for 2023 and beyond as far as allowing them the ability to cut ties with guys too. 
So, like, it's it's a two-pronged game. You, you certainly are relying on your veterans. You want to keep them happy, but at the same time, you're not going to go into the contracts of the guys who you might be on the fence about for 2023 or certainly 2024. Yes, although I see Eric Kendricks here next year. Mm-hmm. Right, I still think he's playing at a pretty darn high level. But Better yeah, of I mean, light. Undoubtedly, yeah, Brian O'Neill, you know, 100% will be here. I mean, that's that's a big reason why the Vikings are so good, Judd, right? They have perhaps the best tackle combination in the NFL and perhaps the best pass rushing duo in the NFL. Yes. Like, when you start with that base, yep. when you have the best left tackle, right tackle combination, when you have two pass rushers like Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, like you are going to win more often than you lose. But like you start with that base of having those elite tackles, those elite pass rushers, you are going to be a really good team. I don't say this lightly, Doogie. Um, Christian Darisaw, I think right now is on track to be not a Pro Bowl, don't care about the Pro Bowl, an all-pro left tackle. He's having an all-pro season. I mean, he's a season. machine. It's incredible. Judd, he puts guys on their asses on a regular basis. I know. Do you know how rare it is in the NFL to have pancake blocks? Pancake machine. I bet he's got to be close this year. That's a college thing. You know the exact number, but like double digits? You think Christian Darisaw has at least 10 pancake blocks this year? I like it this idea. To it's a marketing idea. You're pancake. Right. More Let's of a do college. a marketing thing on pancake. Yeah, it's more of a college stat, not an NFL stat. It just doesn't happen right. in the NFL. But I bet he's close to 10 for the season. Mm-hmm. He is for him to put guys on their asses is off the charts. What a pick. I wish Rick Spielman would text me back. I'm trying to catch up with Rick. In large no, part, you give him some love. Like, hey, Rick. You're out. Like, this in large part is your doing. And he just, he won't text me back. But you know what he, he will do? He me back about Hurricane, the situation there, and how he had to evacuate from from southwest Florida, had to evacuate to Fort Lauderdale. He kept me in the loop on the personal side of things. He just won't go down the road of, of wanting to talk Vikings with me. He actually will if you're a national guy. So so quit your job here. I know. Get get a job with, uh, you know, Westwood One or CBS Sports Radio. Call Spielman. He'll get right back to you. He'll give you the whole scoop. He's been talking. He talked about the Hawkinson trade nationally. So, yeah, just quit your job here. Get a national job, Dukes. You, you'll be fine. Um, the last thing on the Vikings before we get to the complete debacle going on uh, in downtown Minneapolis the other side of town. The hell's been good so far, but it sounds like from what Kevin O'Connell said in his Monday press conference, there's a very good chance Cam Dantzler with the ankle is not going to play um, on Sunday in Buffalo. That being said, Caleb Evans stepped in on Sunday and was absolutely fantastic. I think if nothing else, Dukes, if Caleb continues to play the way that he did against the Commanders, this is a guy who's going to need playing time. That was a for a fourth round pick and a rookie at that position, which is a very tough one. That was an impressive performance. Forty five snaps, multiple passes defended. Now, to me, a savvy veteran quarterback would have attacked Evans more. So that's where the Vikings benefited from playing Heineke. Yep. At least in my opinion. Yep. Like if you're playing Tom Brady, I'm just saying. To me, Evans would have been challenged more. But, yeah, you can see it. I mean, there's a legit skill set there. You know, the buzz coming out of Missouri was this kid can play. Like, there's a legit future. There's a bunch of 
middle round, late round cornerbacks, undrafted guys, really making a dent this year. Like, go across the league, right? Like, it seems like darn near every team has a rookie cornerback making some sort of, you know, presence, you know, known, you know. And, hey, finally, Quasey getting some production from his rookie class. Yep. Right now, I get it at Ingram starting right guard, but like you can make the case that Chris Reed should have been given a chance weeks ago. I like Ed personally, but like he has taken a turn for the worse going back multiple weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. So finally, like you look at that rookie class. I mean, that's another just holy cow, seven and one with like little to no production from the rookie class. But yeah, Caleb Evans in line to start Sunday in Buffalo, Cam Dantzler Sr. underwent an MRI. Like, I'm not even sure he's 100% to play against Dallas a week from Sunday. So keep an eye on on that situation. This is not some sort of, like, catastrophic long-term right. injury, but I just don't know if he'll be back in one week. We'll also keep an eye on Dalvin Tomlinson with the calf. I would say there's a better chance he plays than Cam Dantzler, but that's still a little iffy. Like, I can't sit here and tell you on Tuesday morning it's 100% that Tomlinson plays on Sunday. All right, we have to talk about him. Uh, Nick's Wolves last night was just, you know, if that had been one really bad game, I'd be like, okay, it's one game. Uh, but it's not. It's a series of games. You, you know, we began the season talking about the schedule being easier or having a really nice stretch of games to get off to a great start. They didn't. They're 5-6 and six now. They have played way too many clunkers in those first 11 games. Uh, Ant didn't show up last night for most of the game. It looked like he was disinterested in basketball. That was just a complete disaster. Um, I'm going to throw an observation at you, and I'm not saying this is not reckless speculation that this is about to happen, okay? But I'm going to throw an observation at you that's going to be pretty strong, and I want your response to what's going on here. Sure. I have a feeling I know where you're going, but I'm listening. I've seen a lot of coaches get fired, and the Wolves played last night like a team of a coach who's on his last legs, like the team, like that performance that the Wolves put on was basically a vote of no confidence in Chris Finch. I'm not saying he's in trouble. I don't think he should be let go 11 games in. But what do you think or what are you hearing is going on about a team that a lot of people had huge expectations for? And I know Gobert is out right now, but it's not like it was pretty when he was playing. Well, if you look at the total body of work, 11 games, Judd, they haven't played one complete game. They've trailed by at least 15 points in half of their games. Last night, Judd, that was like I'm taking my boys. They don't have school today because their elementary school is an election site, a a voting site. And so we're going to go to open gym. We used to have school. Later today at a health club in the West Metro. Mm -hmm. That last night looked to me like open gym. Just guys getting together, lunchtime ball. That's seriously, that's what it looked like with lack of effort. How they don't close out on jump shooters, these wide open three point looks that they keep giving up. Mm-hmm. That began the first game. It's continued through now the 11th game. The body language last night, you know, still the lack of ball movement, the boneheaded plays, the lack of pace, which starts with D'Angelo Russell. It is really, really bad right now. It's a joyless bunch. Last year was joyful. That team last year, 
was a load of fun. This team is the complete opposite. You're right, Chris Finch is not in trouble. Judd, we are seven months removed, eight months removed from him getting a really nice contract extension. They are not pulling the plug anytime real soon. But you're right. Your observation is plenty fair. That what we saw last night against New York had all the writings of, we don't want to play for this coach. We are mailing it in. It's time for a change. But I'm just telling the audience, I'm telling you, Chris Finch is not remotely in trouble. In fact, I was over there yesterday at shoot-around. You know, him and Tim Connolly were talking, you know, at a distance, you know, from where us in the media were. But laughing, you know, shooting the breeze, all that good stuff. You know, there's a good relationship there. He's just, he's not in trouble. I'm just telling you. Mm -hmm. He's just not. Right? But this is a complete train wreck right now. I don't know who the leader is. I know Torian Prince has tried to lead. <laughs> I think Austin Prince. Rivers has has leadership qualities in him, yeah. but he doesn't play enough. So I don't think guys are going to gravitate. Now, he was the only guy who showed a pulse last night. Austin Rivers was good last night. I would give him more minutes moving forward. But I do think he has leadership qualities. I was told Rudy Gobert, incredibly likable in Utah, but for whatever reason – Teammates do not gravitate toward him looking at him as a leader. He just doesn't have those sorts of qualities. So it's not going to be Gobert. Last year, clearly, it was Bev. He's now gone. I just don't know who leads on this team, which is a sad statement, Judd, when you think about Carl Anthony Towns being in his eighth season. When you think about D'Angelo Russell being in his eighth season. These guys are now veterans. Yep. Lead. Find a way to lead. I just don't think Cat is capable. I just don't. And so I don't know how much better it's going to get. Heck, you look at the immediate future of Phoenix here tomorrow. Now Cam Johnson is out. You know, and Phoenix didn't play well last night at Philly. So that is a winnable game. But then you think about road games at Memphis, at Cleveland, at Miami. At Philadelphia, now James Harden will be out. But, like, you look at the immediate future, mm-hmm. it looked really, really dire. Then you consider Utah keeps winning. Like, nobody foresaw Utah even being a play-in team. Like, when projecting the Western Conference a month ago, everybody had Utah, me included. I'll admit, I was completely wrong on the Jazz. Everybody had Utah as the 12th or 13th team in the conference, they look legit. There's now enough of a body of work through 12 games for Utah that they are going to be a factor. Maybe not a top six factor, maybe more so play-in team, but that bumps a team that we thought would be top 10 below the top 10, right? Now, maybe that's Sacramento. Maybe it's as simple as Sacramento. I thought Sacramento would find a way to be a play-in team. I did think Portland all along would be better, but they are way better than I thought. But, like, you look at the landscape of the Western Conference, right? Like, you need to find a way. And I don't want to hear about four and nine last year, right? Don't go down that road. This, you know, makeup is is different. You know, I do think there's something to be said about more of a bullseye being on the Wolves' back, right? When you make a move like Gobert. The lack of effort, Dukes, it doesn't explain it. Yeah, well, and a lack of effort, you know, I mean, that doesn't make up for for any that's not going to fix anything right so until they play harder yep more in sync 
like nothing is is going to change. So don't cite to me four and nine last year. And by the way, so they got the 46 wins last year, right? Had to scratch and claw to fight off being the eight seed to at least get the home game in the play-in tournament, right? As the seven, right? Like the expectations were far greater than 46 wins this year. Now, there is something to be said, you know, for Rudy missing the last two games, right? But, like, we're running out of excuses. Yeah. What the heck did this team just – what the heck did this team do throughout the month of October? We were told when they were in Los Angeles for those six or seven days, it was going to be a lot of kumbaya, but rock-solid on-the-court work. What exactly did they work on in that USC practice gym all those days? I just don't know. I, I really don't judge. Not defending. I am baffled at what the heck this team did. Yep. For the whole month of October. I mean, at this point, Judd, right? I mean, we are 82, 11. So what are we? One-seventh, a little below, one-seventh of the way through the season. This is a pretty good sample size. Like, And we already know the body of work with D'Angelo Russell. If I'm Tim Connolly, you at least need to start making some phone calls. Tim McMahon of ESPN had an idea on the Brian Windhorst podcast about calling Danny Ainge in Utah. Now, for whatever you think of Utah, Utah still has its eyes on Victor Wembanyama, right? The the 7-3 phenom, the number one pick next June. Would they consider some sort of package centered around Russell, Mike Conley Jr.? But the comeback to that is, if you're Utah, you want Minnesota to be bad because you have their number one pick. Right. So if you send Mike Conley Jr. here, right. presumably they are better. Now, he's 35. There's some injury concerns there. But Mike Conley Jr. right now would help this team more than D'Angelo Russell. And a one-for-one one trade, let me just get this out there, does not work. The money just doesn't work. So there would have to be other pieces. But I'm just saying a deal centered around those two. And I'm not convinced. I'm telling you, I'm not convinced. Danny Ainge, who runs the Jazz front office, would do the deal. But if I'm Tim Connolly, I would start being proactive. I would start making some phone calls. Great. Because I never got the sense that he wanted to extend him. Yeah. Like, an extension never came close. Just the buzz all along was, you know, Tim Connolly was going to let it play out. This was set up for Russell to have a very successful year because he's never played with a big man like Rudy Gobert. But, like, I was told all along, you know, Russell is Gershon Rosas's guy. He's not Tim Connolly's right. guy. You know, a lot of front office people don't have a healthy opinion of D'Angelo Russell. Gershon Rosas does, right? But, like, I was never led to believe that Tim Connolly was ever, like, super interested in extending D'Angelo Russell. So, at this point, why not see if there's a deal out there? Make a change if you can. I don't know if it's possible. The sort of deal you would make, Judd, is so Russell is an expiring contract. You would bring back somebody with multiple years. So Mike Conley has multiple years left. So the idea would be Utah could create cap space, more cap space, by acquiring Russell. Or another team could create cap space by acquiring the the expiring contract of Russell. They could send out somebody that's under contract for more than this year. right? So just seek out some sort of deal because at this point, you know, I just I don't know if it's going to work at the level they think it could work with Russell as the starting point guard. I just don't know how you're a top four team. 
Great stuff, Dukes, and we'll talk to you again on Mackie and Judd on Thursday. Thank you. Got it. We'll have some twin stuff on Thursday as well. GM meetings in Vegas. I know the Twins are meeting with Carlos Correa's representation. The Twins are going to make a bid at some point here, maybe in the very, very near future, to retain Carlos Correa. The question is, how big of a contract offer will it be? They're also meeting with the Wasserman folks. They represent the top Japanese free agent pitcher. His name is Kodai Senga. Kodai Senga. A lot of people like him. The early word is the Twins have some interest in Senga. Love it. Talk to you on Thursday. Okay. Sounds good. Bye-bye.